Hello, and welcome to Wicked Wednesdays, your semi-weekly, sometimes monthly, sometimes every three or four months podcast on BDSM and relationships, including poly relationships. Also, a bit of an inside life into what it's like being an amateur porn actor, producer. I don't like to say star, that sounds rather self-aggrandizing, and I'm not really a star, even if I were to be self-aggrandizing. But popular enough that I occasionally get recognized, which is an interesting way to spend your afternoon at the grocery store, believe me. More often, the question comes up, you know, hey, what do you do for a living? Which I always have, you know, a set of answers. If I think the person will be accepting and cool with it, I'm happy to tell them what I do. If I think it's going to shock and amaze them and create a scene, then I tell them my other occupation, which I still do. So yeah, it's something that you get used to. Um, It's a hell of a party starter. You know, it's a hell of a conversation starter when you're at a party. And it's a story and an explanation I've given so many times now that I'm trying not to sound rote and just say the same thing over and over again. But, you know, it's a conversation I've had a dozen times if I've had it once. So on the professional semi-pro amateur porn front woke up this morning and had a bunch of messages from people saying hey i can't access your site what happened to all your videos which i assure you puts a cold chill down the heart of any amateur producer especially one that has been considering that losing the site was an option because Pornhub has taken down so many of our videos So navigated to the site and couldn't log in with my login. Not a great sign. Searched for my site in just the search bar. No results. So that was not great. Uh, Fired off a couple emails to Pornhub. It usually takes them a while to get back, so I'm not expecting to hear anything today or tomorrow. I'll be lucky if I hear anything in the next couple weeks. So, yeah, at the moment, I don't have a site. And long-time listeners and viewers of this podcast will know that I have been talking about shifting our site, moving off of Pornhub onto an alternative site, which you would think would be easy. And it turns out it is not, for a number of reasons. Um, One is I have eight models in my studio, which is a good thing. It's a blessing. But a lot of the independent sites, you know, X-Hamster, for example, allows you to have three models. If you have more than three models, you need to set yourself up as an independent studio, which sounds great, except for some legal matters that I might touch on. Um, As an independent studio, you need to be the custodian of record, which is cool. Nobody wants underage porn. But in order to be a custodian of record, at the beginning of each video, you need to put up a blurb that says who the custodian of record is with their legal name and their address. And I assure you that as an independent producer, I'm not putting my legal name and my home address on every video we put up. So that's a hurdle to becoming an independent studio. You know, if you have, you know, Sin Entertainment Independent Studios they can have a business office address where their records are kept. The records are, you know, date of birth, ID, proof of identification, etc. 
which is important. Um, and it can say, you know, 203 Hollywood Boulevard, Northern California, and that's cool. Well, for me, the place where the records are kept has to be where the records are kept. And, you know, for me right now, that would be my house. And I am not putting my name and my house address online in front of all of our videos. I have explored finding a, you know, an attorney, for example, to represent the studio and be the custodian of record. I've found a bunch of places online that offer that service. However, when I contact them, I have been told universally, oh, we don't do that anymore, which is discouraging. I have not given up on that route. I would like to, it would be very nice for me to be an independent studio and to have a custodian of record that's not my house, not my address. But for the moment, I'm still dependent upon the free sites. Well, the free sites have a lot of hurdles, you know. Like I said, XFIDs, sorry, XHamster, you can only have three models, and they will be the custodian of record. Right now, Pornhub is our custodian of record. We send in our IDs to them, and if there's any question about the legality of our models, the FBI talks to Pornhub. They don't talk to me. And they don't have a limit, at least as far as I know, on the number of models you can have on your account, which is why I have eight. X-Hamster, you can have three. I don't know if there's a limit on X-Vids. I set up an account with them quite a while ago. I'm thinking that that's going to be our interim site. I'm going to be uploading videos there, especially our more hardcore stuff that Pornhub just won't host anymore. So I will put a link at the end of this video and underneath this video um, pointing to our XVID site. At the moment, our XVIDs is not monetized. Part of their process is you have to put up videos. Those videos have to be seen a number of times, and then they will offer you a monetized option, which is not great. However, since Pornhub has taken our site away completely, it's gone, at least as, as of the time of this recording, you may be seeing this a month from now and it's back, which would be awesome, but at the moment it's down. We need to make money. We need to get our videos out there and I'm exploring every option I can. A lot of my fans have asked me, you know, why don't you do an OnlyFans? Why don't you do a, you know, mini vids? I don't think that the style of stuff we do would work well for me as an OnlyFans especially. You know, that's a very subscription-based service. And the way that we make money is by getting our videos in front of a huge number of people. We get ad revenue from that, and then a few people, a very few people, are interested in buying that video. That works well on Pornhub. That works well on other free sites, I imagine. That's not going to work well for OnlyVids or OnlyFans where you need a subscriber base. And the subscriber base for guys doing the kind of stuff that I do is minuscule. So I'm not really interested in setting up an OnlyFans. I would like to set up a mini vids, except that I have gone round with them a dozen times now on verification. And I don't know what their problem is. I have sent them in our verification. I've sent in my verification. I've sent in all the model verification they have asked for. And I still do not have a verified account on many vids. So I don't know what the problem is. 
I will keep trying because I want that to be an, an optional source. I don't ever want to be dependent on one site again. That was a big mistake on my part to just think that this Pornhub thing would just keep on going um, because of their mismanagement and because of you know the current climate in the porn industry. Don't rely on one site. You know, Have more than one site available to you. And I should have set all this up a long time ago when we had a lot of viewership, not now that we don't even have a site. So that is very depressing and very difficult. However, I plan to keep trying to do this. So, you know, especially our fans out there, help us out, subscribe to us wherever we end up landing, and we'll keep putting out the kind of content you like. I would very much like to get back to putting out the kind of content we want to produce, unfettered by Pornhub's new Disney-fied version of pornography where they want everything to be super vanilla and super gentle and no rough stuff. And that's fine. A lot of people enjoy that kind of porn. I have no problem with that. But it's not what we make because when we make that kind of porn, it doesn't get views. Um, that market is oversaturated. The pro studios pump that stuff out at such a high rate and at such a very good quality with such, you know, very attractive models that an independent studio like ours is going to have a very hard time competing doing vanilla standard everyday porn. And we've put those videos out, they don't get views. So it doesn't behoove us to continue to make that kind of video when we make rough real porn that you all like. That's what a lot of you came here for. It's what we want to produce. That's where we've been successful, and that's the kind of stuff we want to make. Pornhub is preventing us from doing that. They are not letting us upload rough stuff. They've taken down almost all of our rough videos. So from our standpoint, we need a site that's accepting of what we do, or we need to find a place where we can just host our own stuff, try to get the word out there, hustle a lot more, and hopefully we can continue this because... What it's not going to be is a charitable organization where we just do it for free. And the reason is, is because, you know, we don't need to film what we do to have fun. It's very rewarding for us when we can film it and you all enjoy it and some of you pay for it. That's great. But if we're not going to receive anything for it, we're just going to keep it to ourselves because none of the people that I interact with or myself are such a have a voyeuristic kink where we get off on just putting it out there. And if you enjoy it, that's great. If you enjoy putting it out there and that's your thing and that's what turns you on, awesome. For us, if we're not going to be remunerated for it, we're not going to do it because it's a lot of work. It's a lot of time. It's a lot of effort to make these videos and make them at a level that you expect of us now. You know, where I'm flying models in, you know, hosting them for a week, making videos with them, and then sharing profits with them we have to get paid. Money has to come in in order for that to be a workable business. That's just how it is. We had a great thing going on Pornhub. We were doing really well. And then last December happened. And that's been a, a big problem for us. It's been very difficult. We've kind of just stopped putting videos out because the kind of videos that Pornhub allows us to put out don't make money. And that's just the, that's how it is. You know, we don't get views. We don't get paid. 
we can't sell on Pornhub right now. There's no membership. There's no fan club. There's nothing. I don't know how they're keeping the doors open, but they're not doing it with us. So that's all a downer, I know. Um, I will continue to give you a business update in these podcasts as they move forward. I'm getting ready to relocate. I'm moving to Detroit, the Detroit area, and I'm going to be living with Katja, very near Katja. And so you can expect to see more of her. You can expect to see more of her in these podcasts, especially because we have always wanted to do a series on, you know, BDSM relationships 101, poly relationships 101, and answering questions that she receives, you know, through our fan mail. And also things that she's more qualified to speak about than I am. You know, I'm a guy, she's a gal, and why not make use of that resource? She's a very articulate, intelligent woman, and she's been in the BDSM scene her whole life. So I think she has a lot of positive things to say on that front. And you all have seemed to enjoy very much when she's on the podcast. So it's kind of a win-win. Okay, with that out of the way, let's look at our mailbag a bit. I've been getting most of my fan interaction through Instagram lately, which is great. I like working with Instagram because the Pornhub messaging service, you know, you can send a message if you have an account, etc. A lot of people don't want to make an actual Pornhub account. That's fine. Um, and then the notification system is pretty wonky. I've gone to my inbox and seen something sitting there that I never was notified of, but it's been sitting there for a couple of weeks. And while Instagram has many flaws, they deleted one of our old accounts for no reason. Um, at least I get the notifications. And I do my best to respond as quickly as I can and as thoroughly as I can. I do have some... A lot of times people will come to me with pretty heavy stuff and pretty intense questions or pretty lengthy questions. And I want to give those the proper amount of attention. I don't just want to dash off a quick reply off the top of my head. Sometimes I'll sit on those for a couple of days. I do try to get back to them. Um, if for some reason you've written me and you never heard back, give me a, another hint. You know, Send me a message saying, hey, I'm still interested in knowing the answer to this question. I know that there's a couple out there that I have failed to respond to, and I apologize for that. I get a lot of mail. I also get a lot of spam, which is really frustrating because, you know, it just takes time. I have to get rid of it. I have to see if it's a real person, etc. Someone wrote me recently, and the question they had was, you know, I'm very interested in BDSM. I'm very interested in joining this lifestyle. However, I'm not interested in having sex in these scenes. You know, what can I do? And that's a great question because... Obviously, the Venn diagram of sex and BDSM is almost a circle, right? There's a lot of sexual activity hand-in-hand hand tied together with BDSM, but it does not have to be, right? And I think we need to examine that as a community you know, and ask ourselves, you know, does there always have to be sex? Does there always have to be penetration? Does there always have to be some sort of intercourse in BDSM? And if the only kind of BDSM you know how to do involves sex, you're limiting what you can do with BDSM. Because sex is a very exciting, very cathartic, important part 
of a BDSM relationship, but it does not have to be the central focus. It doesn't even have to be in the relationship. You can absolutely have a relationship with someone in a BDSM setting that has no sex involved whatsoever. That's That may sound counterintuitive, but it really should not be. BDSM is about power exchange. Now, obviously, you know, sexual intercourse is a very, you know, visceral way to have power exchange, but it's only one way. You know, I would be very sad if the only tool I had was my dick, right? That's, that's one aspect of being a dom. And there's a lot of femdoms out there that don't have, you know, that particular apparatus and they do just fine. So it's not just about having sex with someone. It's not about the exchange of power in sex. It's about the exchange of power. And for me especially, I'm not that interested in scenes. And I know that may sound crazy, right? Like, it seems like this is what I do. You know, we have these big elaborate scenes. With my real life DS partners, not as much as you might think. I enjoy them. I think they can be an outstanding tool, often a reward. But our day-to-day BDSM lifestyle is far more prosaic than you might imagine. That doesn't mean it's not important. But it's not, you know, getting tied up to the St. Andrew's Cross and flogged for everything. The relationship between a dom and a sub is hugely variable based on the expectations and the desires of the people involved, right? I am not saying that the way you play is wrong and the way that I play is the only way. That's just not true. There are as many different ways to play as there are people who play. I get that. I understand that. I also know that the sexual side of it is overrepresented. Because it's not very exciting to watch two people have a BDSM encounter, a DS encounter, across a table at a cafe that's, that's consisting entirely of eye contact. And a dom ordering his sub to do something in a way that's so subtle that only they know. But for the people involved, that can be very exciting and very rich. And very exhilarating to have that public play without necessarily leading somebody around on a dog collar. There's nothing wrong with that. If that's your kink, have fun. But most people, that's not how they want to play publicly. But you have the options available to you to play publicly and nobody around you has to know. They can be completely oblivious because you can establish a relationship between a dominant and a submissive where you're playing full-time, even in the middle of Safeway, and nobody knows. And that can be very rewarding and very fulfilling. Because, again, what's it about? It's about power exchange. One person choosing to give control of themselves for a limited time or fully to another person. Consensually. The consent is key, right? Having someone choose to give you authority over them, whether it's for an hour, a day, or permanently, is a huge honor, right? That's 
what I get out of it. I'm frequently asked, you know, well, what does the DOM get out of BDSM play? If you're only focused on sex, then that's going to be your answer. Oh, well, I get, you know, to have sex with really great women and I get to control them and do whatever I want and yay sex. But that's a very shallow look at what BDSM can offer. Yeah, sex is cool. Sex is awesome. But if that's the only thing you're getting out of a BDSM relationship, you're missing out. Because having someone trust you with authority over them is a huge honor. And it's a huge responsibility. And it's something that I take very seriously. And I think that all dominants should take very seriously. You know, it is thrilling. But it's also, you know, there's a responsibility. There's a real responsibility. And I've always looked at my role as a dom as a life coach, right? The rules that I make for my subs are very much about what benefits them. And it's very individual. You know, one sub may be on a very restrictive diet. You know, she's trying to lose weight. So my job is to be the accountability factor to make sure she sends me weight, to make sure she sends me what she's eating, to hold her accountable to her goal because that's what she desires. Another sub may be the exact opposite where I need to convince her to eat every day because she's too thin and she wants to be at a normal weight. So I can't just have a one-size-fits-all rule. It has to be tailored to the subs. And that's just an example. There's many different ways. You know, someone could be very disorganized and they want a plan for how to get organized. You know, that's where I step in and I say, okay, you know, every morning you're going to do these five things. It's tailored to the sub and what they need. And the joy that I get out of it What's exciting to me about it is watching them progress and get better. You know, I know that some people have a BDSM style where it's about breaking the sub down. That's not my style. And my style is about creating a sub to be the best person that they can be. Because I want my subs to be proud of themselves. I want to be proud of them. And watching someone progress and get better at something that they've wanted to do is very rewarding. It's very fulfilling. It's very, it's a very cool thing to watch someone have a goal and help them achieve that goal. You know, as a dom, you may be the person that says, hey, you know, you're shooting too high right now. You know, the goal you've set for yourself, you know, you've never run before and you want to run a marathon. That's cool. But first, we're going to run a 5K, right? We're not going to go for the marathon because if you jump off the couch and go try to run a marathon, you will fail, and then that's not going to help you progress in your life. So my job as the Dom, I'm going to set this goal for you, and we're going to work towards this goal that I think that you can achieve. And when you achieve that goal, we're going to set a higher goal, and I'm going to help you progress, and I'm going to hold you accountable, and I'm going to be encouraging to you when you need encouragement, and I'm going to be the stick when you need the stick. That's my job. You'll notice that none of this involves sex. You know, these are all DS and very important parts of DS relationships that I have personally that don't have anything to do with sex. You can have a DS relationship that is, has nothing to do with physical intercourse. Absolutely. 
And I don't want doms and subs to have this idea that somehow the BDSM lifestyle is transactional. You know, I will be your dom if I get to have sex with you. That's not cool. I, I don't think that's cool because it shouldn't be about that. Just like everything else in BDSM, the sex needs to be consensual, you know. And yeah, that may sound weird from someone that makes porn that features consensual non-consent, but do notice the consensual part, right? The models that I film with enjoy that kind of rough sex. I don't film with models that I have to convince to do that. That's not, I'm not into that. The models I film with are often wanting things to be rougher and harder and more violent than I'm willing to do with them. And there's nothing wrong with them. That's what gets them off. That's exciting to them. And it's exciting to them because they know they're safe. Right? Remember that. None of my models is trying to put themselves in a position of real danger. They don't want to have, you know, unconsensual or non-consensual sex with anybody. They want to be put in difficult situations, exciting, rough situations with someone they trust explicitly. They know that I'm not going to hurt them. I'm not going to do things to them they don't want to be done. And if they want things to stop, things will stop. And there'll be no repercussion from that. That takes a huge amount of trust, right? They didn't just find me and hop into this. It's built over time. And they know that they can trust me to take care of them in these rough scenes. And if things get too intense, if things get pushed beyond what they want, they know I'll stop. And they know that I'm always watching out for them in the scene because sometimes they're not very good at taking care of themselves. So I need to be watching them and thinking, okay, is this going too far? No, I think we're okay. And that's me watching out for the sub. Other times they have to say, okay, hey, hang on, this is too much. And things stop. You don't see that on the video. You'll see a cut there, right? So what I'm talking about, you know, the consensual part of this is you shouldn't feel pressured as a sub to have sex with a dominant to receive the gift of their domination, right? If you want to have sex with them, awesome. If you're in it for the sex, awesome. If you would feel weird if you didn't have sex, awesome. But if you want to experience a BDSM relationship in a DS relationship without sex, that's your right. You may have a hard time finding the person to help you with that, which sucks. I, I understand, you know, because it's such a big part of this scene, you know, you may have a difficult time finding a dom that is like, cool, you know, no problem. If you don't want to have sex, we're not going to have sex. And I'm not going to push you. I'm not going to coerce you. I'm not going to guilt trip you. You know, we'll have sex if and when you are ready to have sex. That's how you should feel. If you feel like, well, I don't really want to have sex, but I want to have this DS relationship, don't do it. Don't have sex with someone transactionally so that you get to experience the DS lifestyle you want to experience. There are doms out there that are more than happy to work with you on a DS level without sex. I've had 
a number of DS relationships that did not feature sex. And that's totally fine. I want to normalize that because, you know, again, sex can be awesome. It can be powerful. It can be, you know, a huge part of a DS relationship. Or it can not figure in at all. And a DS relationship that doesn't have sex in it is perfectly valid. It's completely okay. It's something that should not be strange. And I want to get the word out, you know, ask yourself, are you just in it for the sex? If you're just in it for the sex, you're not really into it, right? Because it's not just about sex. Sex is a small part. You know, there's 24 hours in a day. How long can you have sex? I can have sex a long time, but not that long. You know, if you're going to have a DS relationship with somebody, you need to be able to do something outside of the bedroom. You need to be able to give them that DS experience at a shopping mall or at dinner or folding laundry or just day to day as a presence in their life as a dominant. And as a subservient, you know, there are plenty of things you can do to serve your dominant that are not sex-based, right? So let's, let's, let's back it up a bit. Let's take a hard look at it and say, hey, are we overemphasizing the sexual aspect of BDSM and DS? Yes, we are. I think we absolutely are. Nothing wrong with sex. Very sex-positive person, obviously. But let's not make it entirely sex-driven and about sex, right? Does that sound so unreasonable? If you're hearing this and it's coming as a shock and surprise to you, you know, step back and ask yourself, you know, what am I doing with my sub that's not in the bedroom, that's not in the play space? What am I doing with my dom that's not sexual, that's not tied to sexual gratification? You know, there's a rich world out there you can explore and you should explore that's not sex-based BDSM. So that's a very long-winded reply to her her email. Um, you know, I, I told her all this, that yes, you can absolutely have a BDSM relationship that doesn't have sex, that you will probably have a harder time finding a dom that's open-minded enough to realize that sex is not the be-all and end-all of BDSM, and that don't sell yourself short. Don't just, well, I want to do DS, and I guess I just have to have sex to do it. Don't do that. Doms out there, seriously, you know, guys and gals, if you're only making it about sex, you're not exploring everything there is to offer. And you're not fulfilling your role as a dominant because it's not just about sex. You know, you need to be a dom sometimes 24-7, seven days a week, 365. You need to be that influence in their life that's a positive thing. And there are so many different ways to do that that are not sex-based. Okay, someone wrote me and said, so I just watched parts of a 30-minute video of yours. I really hope the woman was just an incredible actress, dot, dot, dot. And I, I have touched on this before, um, but it, it does bear repeating. No, actually, she's not just an incredible actress. But what she is, is a consenting adult that enjoys rough sex, right? That's what makes what we do special in a way and unique in a way. What you're seeing is real. 
my models aren't acting. I'm not taking them behind the scenes and saying, okay, I want you to pretend like this really hurts and really make a lot of sounds like this hurts. I don't have to do that. What I do is I provide them stimulation in a real scene that hurts and they're okay with that. Okay. They seek that out. That's part of their sexual experience. We can talk about why, right? I know some people will hear that and think that's just crazy talk. Why would someone want sex to hurt? That seems very antithetical. That seems like it's completely wrong. For you, it may be, and that's fine. For some people, rough sex, sex that feels out of control for them, sex that feels like they're being forced to do it, sex that feels like they don't have control in the situation, is extremely erotic to them. And that is perfectly okay as long as they are consenting to it and they know that they are safe in that situation. They want to feel out of control. However, they know that if they want it to stop, it will stop. So when you see my models, they're not acting. You know, I, I can't give you the peace of mind that, oh, don't worry. What you saw was just a, an actress acting out a scene because that's not what we do. What we do is real. And it does hurt. If the model says it hurts, it hurts. That's just how it is. They're not acting. They're just saying the truth. You know, I'm causing them pain and they're responding to that pain. I'm not causing them so much pain that they wanted to stop, right? There's a careful balance. And yeah, I know what I'm doing. I, I know how to make it hurt if I want it to hurt. I know how to make it feel good if I want it to feel good. They know that. We do that. But what you're seeing in these rough scenes is real. It's absolutely real. And, you know, we get it from both sides. We have some people that say, oh, this is so stupid. She's obviously acting, you know. She's done six videos with him. How can it still hurt? And I've covered this before, but that is just ignorant, right? That's, that's what 14-year-old boys think like. And if they've never grown out of that, I'm sorry, but you got a bunch of man children then. Because sex can always hurt. Don't be dumb. Sex can hurt. It's like saying of a professional boxer, oh, I've seen him get hit hundreds of times. It doesn't hurt anymore. Are you dumb? Of course it hurts. Is he more conditioned to it than you are? Yes. Does it still get hurt when he gets punched in the face? Yes. You know, the models that I work with, yeah, they've obviously done this before. Nobody's doing this for the first time. And it still hurts. How is that so hard to understand? It hurts because I'm making it hurt. I can make it feel good. I can make it hurt. In the scenes you're seeing where they say it hurts, it hurts. It's just that simple. So we get it from both sides. We have some people very worried and afraid that the model is you know, really being hurt. Well, they are. And we have other people that say, you know, oh, this is stupid. This is fake. The model's just acting. They are not. And here we are stuck in the middle. I think people that understand how humanity works and have empathy and have understanding and have eyes and social understanding and emotional intelligence, when they see our stuff, they understand what's going on. They see a 
BDSM scene at DS Power Dynamic where a submissive person is giving authority and control to a dominant person and the submissive person wants to be used roughly. That's what we do. You'll notice in our videos, no one ever says, you know, hey, stop, I don't want to do this anymore. There's a reason. We have videos, we've done scenes where things got too rough and we stopped. You don't see it because that doesn't make good videos. But you just have to take our word for what we do. What's important is that it's consensual. Okay? Nobody's being forced. Nobody's being coerced. Nobody's being bribed. Nobody's being made to do something that they don't want to do. You know, that's not how I operate. I know that this is the porn business and there's a lot of shady practices out there. I get it. I can assure you that the models that I work with are treated well. They share in our profits and they're never made to do something they don't want to do. It's just not how I operate. And if you watch our videos, I think you will see that. You know, do we make rough videos? Yeah. Do people get off on our rough videos? They do. And that's fine. You know, do some people get off on our videos for the wrong reason? Sure. You know, I, I can't control that. I can't make our videos only available to people that are responsible with their own sexuality and that are responsible with their partners. I wish I could. But that's the entire industry, right? I can do my best to make sure it doesn't get into the hands of people under 18. But... If there's an audience out there and some of that audience understands that what we do is consensual and that they should only do it consensually and that, you know, it would be very, very wrong to do this kind of thing non-consensually, that's who I make videos for. There are people that are going to see our stuff and get the wrong impression, which is why we make these videos, which is why I make this podcast which is why I've been trying to include in our rough videos a statement from the model and me saying, hey, this is consensual sex. Don't do this non-consensually. And I do feel a responsibility to do a better job of that and making sure people understand that what they saw is a scene. It's real, but it's consensual. You cannot do what we do non-consensually. That's a crime. It's a heinous thing. It's a terrible thing. And outside of that, it's outside of my control. I do care about it. And I'm trying to make sure that people understand what we do, why we do it, how we do it, etc. So, you know, to answer her, no, she's not an actress, but she's also okay. And she's perfectly okay with the scene that we did. Something that I get asked every single day is what happened to Ruby? Ruby is fine. Ruby is well. There's nothing to worry about. Ruby got very popular, like overnight. We put up her videos and they got featured immediately. And the next thing we knew, she had like two videos on the front page of Pornhub at a time, which is awesome. But the unintended consequence of that was that it started to affect her personal life. And... We had talked about, you know, 
if your face is going to be on the internet, this could you know come back around to affect you. It affected her more quickly and more seriously than she had anticipated. And she asked me if I would take down her videos. Now, this is, it's a difficult thing, right? Because when I sign a contract with my models, you know, I own the videos and I have the right to put them up once they've approved them. So I, you know, film a video, edit a video, show it to the model, say, hey, do you approve this? And if they say yes, it goes online and it belongs to me. It's that simple. And I don't have any, you know, obligation to take it down. However, the people I work with are friends of mine for the most part. And when Ruby asked me to take her videos down, you know, it was a gut check because they were doing very well. But at the same time, I respect Ruby. I like Ruby. I care about her. And I'm going to take that stuff down. So I pulled all of her videos down. The problem is, is again, she, she was very successful and she sold a lot of videos and millions and millions of people saw her videos. So regularly I find her videos on other websites, people that have stolen the video, you know, either they bought it or they just grabbed it off the web and they put it up on other sites. So you might still see a Ruby video out there, but you shouldn't. So if you're a fan of ours and you see a Ruby video on some no-name site, drop me a line. Tell me where it's at. Send me a link so I can give them a copyright notice to take it down. Um, you know, personally, she's fine. She's doing well. I think she's even considering doing like a mini vids or an OnlyFans, something that has a lot less public exposure. If that happens, uh, I'll be happy to promote that and you'll hear about it here. But for the moment, she does not have an online public presence. And while I appreciate, you know, getting emails every single day asking me what happened to Ruby, just, you know, let it go. She decided that she did not want to be public anymore. So that's cool. I get asked pretty frequently, you know, hey, I want to be one of your models. How do I do that? It's not difficult. You just have to actually show up. So I get asked that question probably once a day or every other day. And it's to the point now where I, I don't take it seriously. I really don't, which I'm sorry if you reach out to me and it seems like I'm not taking you seriously. But the reason I'm not is if a hundred people write me and say they want to be my model, less than one does. Less than one follows through on it. You know, if you just want to write and you just want to talk and you just want some individual, you know, conversation, I'm happy to do that. It doesn't need to present itself under the guise of potential model. Because obviously I'm interested in that, but I hear it so frequently and it's so, it's so infrequently actually happens that I kind of, it's almost like spam now. If you want to be a model and you're serious about it, please write me. Um, but, you know, think about what it entails. Being a porn model means that you're going to have to do difficult, uncomfortable things on video, and it's going to be on the internet, possibly forever. That's not for everybody. And I understand that. It's totally cool. But don't take a lot of my time and effort and have me send you contract documents and a long conversation if you're just, you know, playing. 
and I'm not trying to be rude. I, it's, I welcome people. I would love to have more models, but I'm only interested in working with people that are interested and are serious. That's the key. Um, don't, please don't take up my time pretending that you want to be a model. You know, if you want some information, great. If you want some personal attention one-on-one in a message form, great. But don't offer to be a model unless you're serious about it. That's all I can say. Um, I love you guys. I The fan mail we get is sometimes amazing. You know, whenever I get something for one of the girls, I pass it on to them. A lot of the stuff that's directed at me, you know, I, I really appreciate it. On days like today where I'm pretty down on the whole industry and our site got taken down, you know, I'm still getting messages saying, hey, I love your work and you're my favorite, etc. I love that stuff. I really do. And I appreciate it. And I try to respond. But don't use, hey, I want to be a model to get my attention. Just, just write. I will do my best to write back. All right, this has gone on for a little bit. I'm hoping to do a couple more of these soon, hopefully with some better news on our site. But if not, I'm still going to try to push these out. You'll see them on YouTube, maybe on Pornhub, maybe not. And on our podcast apps, iTunes and Spotify and all of those apps. So thanks for dropping in. Um, Push that envelope, don't break it. Be safe, everybody.